So if you want to hear more of our podcast, please click on jamesandsana.com and you can hear our previous episodes. And please subscribe because James has some good word of wisdoms every morning to share with you guys through that email that comes into your inbox. Hi there, everybody. I feel a need to give a little bit of an explanation for this episode. It was brought to my attention by a listener of the show that there was, it seemed to be some inconsistency with the my voice and Sana's voice. Uh, it seemed like it was a little bit out of sync. And I did listen to it, and indeed, I, I have no idea what happened, but it seems that Sana was about five or six seconds uh, behind me in the audio for a part of it. For, I, I don't know if it's all of it. I didn't listen to all of it. But um, I, I really, for the life of me, I have no idea what happened that she would be out of sync. Certainly not a reflection of our relationship. It's just an <laughs> error with editing. But I just want to let you know, no, I am not anticipating Sana's thoughts. Uh, we don't. We haven't reached that level of our relationship where I'm anticipating what she's about to say. It's just a error with editing, and I had not saved the work. And uh, there's re- there's really nothing I could do about it, uh, except for just play it and let you know what's going on. It, it's not so bad that you can't listen to it. It's just that she and I talk over each other uh, sometimes, and uh, you just have to deal with it because it's really good in, uh, information that we share on the podcast, uh, the new cast, I'm sorry. I just want to let you know what's going on. We just have to deal with it. It's uh, just one of those things happens. I guess we'll just save our work so that we can make changes if something like this happens in the future. All right, enjoy the show. You clicked you after I clicked, I follow your click. and there's a delay between our call already. Yeah. So no. I do three, two. When you say three, one, two, go, click. One, click. I do that. <laughs> she knocks her microphone off. She's that excited about getting it yeah, right. Wow! Congratulations, Sana. We have this super duper high speed, low drag. It's, super it's time for a new microphone. ourselves. We ha- we both have Audacity, which is free software, and then we're here on the iPhone. On WhatsApp, and then we basically say three, two, one, go, and we hit the record button at the same time on Audacity, and then she sends over her file to me. I add it to the my existing file that I've recorded on, and so here we are. So, not can't can't claim technical superiority over anything, but it gets the job done, right? Yeah. Of course, I've noticed I'm not going to send are, the file over if you don't send They're a little too reliant some, on technology. Something they back. They think that it, technology <laughs> is the end-all, be-all to success, and they lose sight of what's really important, which is personal connections. Oftentimes, they think we need to be on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and interact with all these people that we'll never meet, 
and make all these connections, and that's how we're going to grow our business. And really, oftentimes what you really need to do is just get in touch with the people that you already know, um, the people that you come in contact with on a personal level. You uh, just say, hey, by the way, this is what I'm up to on the web. You should go check it out. Like Sana and I, we have our little show, and that 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 is far more likely to be um, grow your audience than hoping against hope that some stranger is going to find you on Instagram and go search you out. There's nothing wrong with that, <clears throat> and I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but go with where you already know. Go with where people already know you and like you and trust you. Let them know what you're up to, right? Right, honey? <sighs> I'm sorry to bore you. I'm just sharing what's on my mind, what's important much. to me. I'm, I'm getting what bored. What's important to me is boring to you, then I really don't know what to tell you, honey. Well, I eat eggs and bacon every day. Yeah, but you're saying the same thing again and again. <laughs> Because I, I eat breakfast every single day. Same thing. That's very Eggs different. And bacon. Sometimes a smoothie. So I want to talk a little bit about our episode yesterday. Um, what is up with this? I mean, Basmati Masalachadia. Uh, okay. Very lovable character. Um, obviously contributes something to our business but emotionally she's a disaster she's got some issues sweetheart honey i think basmati is really putting things into order i thought that i went easy on her if, if you she made things go easy rather on her, difficult you will see the sweet side of her yesterday i don't judge her too much i judge her just the right amount because it's necessary I think you judge her too much. I respect her for who she is. She's a disaster. And I respect that. Just respect her for who she All is. All this ego. Ugh, I was humiliating her. She was telling me she you were She insisted that she be introduced as the Supreme Executive Secretary. And that's exactly what I did. Audience. And that was somehow humiliating to her. Yeah, but you were saying it does seem to be you don't a bit, understand uh, where that position comes from, it, it and you ask her to give herself a position. Like you give yourself the title Supreme Executive Secretary. What does that even mean, Supreme? <clears throat> yeah, you have you you have tacos, Supreme. Yeah, but where in the world you can find somebody Supreme like Basmati to be your personal seems a assistant? Little bit bellicose, in my opinion. You obviously disagree. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't disagree. I no, acknowledge I your statement. No, I don't agree or disagree. I am. Your opinion. Your Just, opinion. Your opinion is valid. Right. Acknowledge with thanks. Dot signature. This morning, Sana sent a message over on WhatsApp, which is our your opinion is valid all the time, honey. Physically separated. I'm going. To, I'm just going to read this, and we'll see if Sana has anything to add to this conversation. Uh, 
Sep- Sepandar Mazgan. Sepandar Mazgan. Did I say that right? <laughs> Sepandar Mazgan, or Persian Day of Love. Wait. Let me look. Okay, so I was I was Wait, close honey. enough for an American. So it is called right. close Sepandar enough for an American. Mazgan. Sepandar Mazgan or Espandaban. No, you were completely correct. And Zoroastrian a holiday that was celebrated as the Day of Love. The original date of the ceremony was 5th Esfand, which corresponds with uh, 24 February in the Gregorian calendar. But because of reorganization of the Persian calendar in the 11th century by Omar uh, Khayyam, it is now celebrated on the 29th of Batman, which is the 11th month in the Persian calendar, which corresponds to the 18th day of February in the Gregorian calendar, three days after Valentine's Day. The origin of this celebration goes back to the time of the first Persian empire, Achaemenid Empire. Achaemenid. Achaemenid Empire. According to Birini, it was a day where Persian women sat on the throne and rested, and Persian men had to obey them and bring them gifts. Sependarmaz was the name of an angel and keeper of earth and the breeder of all creations on earth. In ancient Persian culture, earth was the symbol of modesty and love toward the entire creation. So, uh, the original date was actually uh, what is here in, in the Gregorian calendar that we recognize in the West, the 24th of February, and then that's actually Sana's birthday. Yeah, she was born exactly coming up on 29 years ago, this February 24th. Yay! <laughs> right. And this is which anniversary of your 29th birthday? The 11th, 12th anniversary? That's right, honey. So I, I guess Valentine's Day uh, doesn't have with you? Uh, it, it doesn't have Persian roots, like I said. But it it ha- the Persian culture has its own uh, celebration that is similar to Valentine's Day, and it's celebrated roughly around the same time as Valentine's Day. <clears throat> I think it's rooted in Persian culture because Persia has. 14,000 years of civilization. Mm. So pretty much a lot of stuff started mm-hmm. there and developed to modernize. Yeah, I don't even know the history of Valentine's Day. I know it was named after St. Valentine. You know, but that's all I know. I don't know anything <laughs> about it. If St. Valentine was English or German or French, I don't even know. I just know I'm supposed to mm. bring my woman chocolate. That's all I know. <laughs> Yeah. Honey, doesn't matter. That's does doesn't matter, right. honey. That's why you married me. Like having you're gonna learn like a having lot my wife sit on her throne you never while I obey her to. and bring her gifts all day. Yeah, that's and not just now, Valentine's Day. That's like every day. <laughs> yes. So what? You're my honey, disciple now. Even Jesus washed the disciples' <laughs> feet. <laughs> so why are you it's called mourning? servant leadership
He treated them Even though as they equals. were his disciples, but he treated them like kings. And and the way and the way that he sh- he showed uh, treated Equal them as, as equals him. was by doing something that a, a servant king. would do to a master, which was to wash the feet. And so <clears throat> that was a very powerful powerful thing that he did back in those days. Culturally, it was very groundbreaking. Right. How beautiful. So, so is that all that you have to say about Valentine's Day or this mm-hmm. Sependar Mazgan? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the story behind it. But, uh, of course, you probably heard no, about very first love stories in Persia or in the world. Like well, Leili and Majnun, Shirin and Khosro. Uh, I don't know exactly the whole story, right. the love story. Just tell us them. what you remember. It's, it's good, en- I don't it's good enough for us Americans. These are like in those ancient books. I don't remember the stories. I don't remember anything. I just mm. know that. I just know that they are American like Romeo the American and Romeo and Juliet movie, but they were real. I love that. The American Four, 5, Romeo and Juliet. There's, the stories Romeo and Juliet written. was written by Shakespeare, sweetheart. He was English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And right, then, uh, but the American it put it into the Prokofiev movie. Prokofiev that wrote Romeo and Juliet, and he was Russian. Uh, there's he, he wrote a, um, a, I guess, symphony I think called Romeo and Juliet, mm. and I'm just saying that Prokofiev is Russian, and he wrote. Honey, this can you Google titled Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, you're talking. Sorry. <clears throat> Go ahead. <clears throat> mm. If you want, uh, just this part you don't put it there, but we can Lately, um, how do you spell that? Google. Leili and Majnun. L-E-I-L-E-I? And Leili, like Leila. How do you spell it, sweetheart? I have no idea. You know Leila? L-A-Y-L-A? How do you spell Leila? At the end, put E. Mm. Yeah, L-A-Y-L-E. L-I-E. Leili. Mad. M A H J and Majnun. Okay. Maj. Wow, that was Majnun. M A J. Okay. N double O N. M A J N U N. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was written in yeah. Persian anyway. Wikipedia says U, uh, yeah, not double O. So that. we're gonna go with Should Wikipedia s- over Sana. Yeah, Google will take pick it up. Layla and. <laughs> Layla, it's Layla, not Layli. Okay. Layla and Ma- Majnun okay. is so an old story of Arabic talk about origin. It. About the 7th century Najdi Bedouin poet, Kais Ibn al Mulawa, and his lady love, Layla bint Mahdi, later known as Layla al Amiriyah. Sana's sitting there trying to contain herself not busting out in laughter while I read these names. The Leila Majnum theme passed from Arabic to Persian, Turkish and Indian languages 
through the narrative poem composed in 584-1188 by the Persian poet Nizami Ganjavi is the third part of his Kamza. It is a popular poem praising their love story. Lord Byron called it, quote, the Romeo and Juliet of the East, unquote. Kais and Layla fell in love with each other when they were young, but when they grew up, Layla's father didn't allow them to be together. Uh, Kais became obsessed with her. His tribe, Banu Amir, and the community gave him the epithet of Majnun, which means crazy, literally possessed by jinn. Long before Nizami, the legend circulated in anecdotal forms in Iranian Akbar. The early anecdotes and oral reports about Majnun are documented in Kitab al-Aghani and Ibn Qutayba's Al-Shi'ur Waishu'ara. Stop. <laughs> I'm doing my best here, honey. The anecdotes are mostly very short, only loosely connected, and show little plot or no plot development. Kind of like this podcast. Nizami collected both secular and mystical sources about Majnun and portrayed a vivid picture of the famous lovers. Subsequently, many other Persian poets imitated him and wrote their own versions of the romance. Nizami drew influence from Udrite love poetry, which is characterized by erotic abandon and attraction to the beloved, often by means of an unfulfillable longing. Many, uh, many imitations have been contrived of Nizami's work, several of which are original literary works in their own right, including da 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 da, da completed in 1484, amounts to 38... Uh, Sir William Jones published Hatefi's Romance in Calcutta in 1788. The popularity... Okay, this is a bunch of mumbo-jumbo facts and figures. We don't care about that. <coughs> okay, Sana is sending yeah, me something don't right not now. Yeah, you need that. Yeah, but you can take a look at this I'm sending you. Khosro and Shirin is the title of a famous... Okay. These are two different couples, and there is Shirin and Farhat. They're Mm -hmm. another couple. So you can see during that century, Mm -hmm. when was it, like 1141... Kosro Year 1141, how Shireen much love stories were actually shaping and forming Nizami Persia. Ganjavi, and that's into our culture. Wrote, how do you say it? Nizami Ganjavi. Okay. Who also wrote Leila and Majnun. It tells a highly elaborated version of the story of the love of the Sasanian king Khosrov, yeah. the second for the Armenian princess Shirin who becomes queen of Persia. The essential narrative is a love story of Persian origin, which was already well known f- from the great epico-historical poem, the Shahnameh, and other Persian writers and popular tales. Other works have the same title. Variants of the story were also sold under the titles Shirin and Farhad. Fascinating, sweetheart. So, Shakespeare didn't corner the market when it came to tragic love stories. It turns out that there were... Yeah. I I read somewhere that Shakespeare was really inspired by Persian poets because we had so many poets. We had one poet, I forgot his name, I think Rumi. Mm. He, for I think hundreds of days and nights, Mm -hmm. stayed in a pottery he made. Didn't came out of the pottery Mm -hmm. and he wrote 
books and poems mm-hmm. uh, for future generation for us to enlighten us what we are going to face in this world. Yeah. Yeah, we pretty much well, our there, culture there's, is... There's that old scripture, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. All these poets, what they have written, they apply them in our life. said everything that we know, everything that we understand has been mm. already said. There's nothing new. Uh, there's everything, even in a uh, uh, young culture such as America, we we think that mm-hmm. <laughs> Americans are a bit narcissistic, uh, generally speaking. And we think that the world basically began when the Declaration of Independence was signed mm. in 1776. And I, I wasn't aware of the vast mm. history and lineage of, of Persia, which is which we know as Iran. And it's just, I mean, you, you mm. as a Christian, you're uh, well acquainted with Israel um, because it's well documented in the Bible. Uh, but, but there was Persia right there. And so it... <clears throat> right. Many people don't know that today's Israelis and Palestinians, they were actually Persians in the Bible, mm-hmm. <laughs> when King Darius uh, was told by God to bring the Jews out of captivity. They were the group of Persians who were in captivate. <laughs> they were captivated, and the king bring their, his mm-hmm. own people out of captivity you were, you're and talking give about them that the, land near the, the sea, when they where today's Israel and the Palestine Israel, is. This is in so the times. somehow... <clears throat> No, I'm talking about the Bible. So Persians like from are their essentially how are, okay. how Here's the Israelis and Palestinians like have Persian roots. And Adam and Eve were they Persian? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, this is the question when I was seeking God. I I used to ask. I was I used to ask: Is Jesus Persian? Is Noah Persian? All these people and it, mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> it's very difficult mm-hmm. for me to answer because I don't have enough knowledge of it. But uh, I am mm-hmm. sending you a map right now. And you can see the extent to which the kings of Persia invaded the whole world. And slowly, slowly, throughout centuries, different kings and wars well, happened. And they took pieces yeah, of have, the land away. And what remained and from Persia is called the, Iran the today. Politics was just as much of a thing so, as it is today. What I'm, what I'm, I think what mm. I'm asking is, uh, if Persian is the first, right. I mean, where do you draw the line? When did Persians become Persians and, and and cease to be just humans and take on the the moniker or the name? The when did? Okay, so there are there are. So Persia is called Persia is the old mm-hmm. name of Iran. Basically, right. Persian means Iranian, but in the English language. <laughs> so when you say Persian, you you're referring to me as Iranian. Uh, but um, there are there are few civilization, according to archaeologists and all these scientists that have you know 
that they could dig into past and they found they are the beginning. They are the ones who basically are ancestors. And uh, Persia at that time was called, um, before Babylon, it was called... Uh, Mesopotamia. Um, not Macedonia. What do you call it? Hmm. Mesopotamia. Right. So mm-hmm. Mesopotamia is the Persian, and then Persia became Iran. So Mesopotamia is the oldest civilization. Uh, there's Chinese as well there. There's Egyptians as well. Right. So w- we don't know which one is first mm-hmm. because the map was not formed. We didn't have these boundaries around the countries. It was just the whole big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we have all these lines drawn, we kind of have Mesopotamia, we have Egypt, we have China. Before it was just one. But mm-hmm. uh, one of the American scientists, right. uh, sorry, archaeologists wrote that Iran can be dated right. 14,000 years of civilization. They could find. They well, can I'm, I'm here on uh, BibleGateway.com. And so, I'm on, uh, yeah. Genesis chapter so 11. How, and this is how it is. tells us where <laughs> Abraham came from. So this is the account of Terah's mm-hmm. family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of, of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. So, what I'm saying, what well, my question you was: When did? You cannot rely on Bible because uh, Bible is, is very is, Israeli people cease to be I Persian. Think... That was my question. Like, when? At what point did people cease to be just people and take on the names? Persian, Israeli, Egyptian, etc., etc., Mesopotamian. That's my question. We have right. we have to study a lot. There are answers to this. I used to dig into this stuff right. twenty years ago when I was yeah, okay. So it's a it's a very deep question. I know there are answers answer to your questions, but um, I don't have just them in right a now. We have thirty minute show. We can find. Yeah. I, why don't we study it and um, we can talk yeah, about we, it in the we, podcast? We are not again. ready. We haven't. Yeah. I'm sorry, the nuke. Haven't studied the nuke cast. I'm sick and tired of giving Apple mm-hmm. all this free sure, publicity with our show. Right. Did you? Did you actually, honey? Uh, I will do that in just a minute. Did you? I want to share something Google funny. Why with you. is Romy the best-selling um, poet in US? BibleGateway.com has these ads for these shirts that say it says we the people are pissed off and then there's another shirt it says let's go brandon do you you know do you know what that means what does it mean (laughs) no 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 yeah this is so funny that this is on biblegateway.com it says let's go brandon 
Now, a f- I, I didn't I didn't see this because this occurred while I was still in Vietnam. But earlier this year in 2021, uh, <clears throat> Joe Biden is not popular among a mm. pretty significant segment of the population here in America. And there was some there was a rally or it was a I think maybe a NASCAR race or something. I'm I'm just going off of secondhand mm. information here. But everybody in the crowd was saying F Joe Biden. They were like chanting it. F Joe Biden. Of course they were actually saying the F word. And uh there was some political correspondent or huh? Right, food. Yeah, give us food and vaccines. And uh food <laughs> So there was some sort of political correspondent covering this event (laughs) where all this chanting is going on. And this correspondent says, as you can hear, this crowd is very riled up. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. He was trying to... (coughs) It's pretty... (coughs) It was probably on CNN or something, and he was trying to cover up what... The people were actually saying, but he said they're saying, let's go, Brandon. He's saying, apparently, there's somebody named Brandon that they're they're really cheering on. They're really excited about this person named Brandon. And what they were really saying was, F Joe Biden. And what, but that's, but see, that's the story. <laughs> what I think is oh, funny is okay. that they have shirts saying, let's go, Brandon, on BibleGateway.com. So... I, I wonder if the people that run BibleGateway.com, if they know the story behind that, let's go, Brandon. Mm. I want... Yeah, I think that's interesting that they would sell that on a Bible website. Uh, I'm sure they know. That's my opinion. Anyhow, yeah, I think that is funny. So, why is Rumi... That's hilarious, honey. ...the most popular... Poet in America. Is that the question? All right. Well, most popular is good enough. Why is Romy the best-selling poet in the U.S.? BBC.com. Why is Rumi the best-selling poet in the U.S.? This 807-year-old Persian mystic and dervish has a massive following in the U.S. and around the world. Jane Chiabatari explains his enduring influence. Huh. Well, I will put this thing on the... Uh, I'll, I'll put this article on the website. Why is Rumi the best-selling poet? I'm not going to waste people's time and just read it. I think that you can read it. Uh, it's it's long enough to be too long to read on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Is it long? Uh, a new ca- do you want me? Do you want me to just read it? Because okay, I cannot okay. open up BBC here. That's, it's not too Vietnam. long. It's bad. There's an ad in the middle. That, I think that's why it looks so long. All right. Up to you. Yeah. Why the ecstatic not? If it's not long. <laughs> Jalal Adin Muhammad Rumi, a Persian poet and Sufi master, born oh, okay. 807 years ago in 1207. I guess this was written in 2014. Have sold millions of copies in the recent years, making him the most popular poet in the U.S. Globally, his fans are legion. He's this compelling figure in all cultures, says Brad Gooch, who is writing a biography of Rumi to follow his critically acclaimed books on Frank O'Hara and Flannery O'Connor. The map of Rumi's life covers 2,500 miles, says Gooch, 
who has traveled from Rumi's birthplace in Vaksh, a small village in what is now Tajikistan, to Samarkand in Uzbekistan, to Iran and to Syria, where Rumi studied at Damascus and Aleppo in his 20s. His final stop was Konya in Turkey, where Rumi spent the last 50 years of his life. Today, Rumi's tomb draws reverent followers and heads of state each year for a whirling dervish ceremony on 17 December, the anniversary of his death. That's my my brother was born on December 17th. What is a dervish, honey? What is a dervish? Huh? <laughs> that's I, I have the podcast running. What's the music? And that's coming? the closing music. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, what's a dervish? Oh, I see. Okay, so what's a dervish? Dervish mm-hmm. or. Um, okay, so wait. So, dervish, I'm reading it, honey. Okay. Uh, dervish in Islam can refer broadly to members of a Sufi fraternity or okay. more so narrowly like a rel- to a religious medicant who chose or accept material poverty. Yeah, but you know, there is, uh, why Rumi became very popular, there is this mystery behind it because everybody knew at that time that he's Muslim, but, and he be, he's a Islam believer. Maybe he was because in that era during his time, he couldn't deny it, you know? But if you read his poem, there is so much into it. Like when he, uh, one of the favorite one is what, what you're seeking is seeking you. Uh, most of his poems are kind of talking about that extraterrestrial mm-hmm. p- power as God, but not the God in Islam or Quran. So there is a very big debate whether he actually believed so in any God. his poetry defied his... You have to start reading his poem, uh, then religious, you, might, you might understand. Public religious beliefs? It's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when you look at true Persians, they don't talk about politics, they don't talk about religion. Many people think they are actually atheists, they don't believe anything. But they're like Rumi, they believe in that power, the creation, everything else. They are, and that made them to become more mm-hmm. vigilant, right. to make right choices because they're afraid they are being judged by different religious groups, you know? But I think that's how they are following Rumi. Um, and Rumi, by reading, re- writing those poems and books, mm-hmm. try to tell us, right. hey, uh, the world you're living <coughs> is more than the religious books or the politics. Mm-hmm. Seek that. And uh, he actually gave us kind of way of life in that book. So, like mm-hmm. I said, in Persian home, mm. the religious books are probably on the second shelf of the bookshelves. The poets are on top. We do not hmm. point them with our feet because feet is the most dirty part of our body. We respect those books a lot. <laughs> right. They were written thousands of right. years ago right. and talking about thousands of years so he's a that never yet come. in something. <laughs> and we believe we in what. it. <laughs> but he wasn't the kind to... Well, of course, he was, he was required to 
identify as a Muslim where he lived. A lot of people say he was Muslim. A lot of people identify as Christians so that they can get along in the world, Mm. especially in in certain parts of the world when it was mandatory to be a Christian. I think... uh, Right. uh, Who's the emperor, the Roman emperor? uh, Constantine. Mm. He He basically made it mandatory to be a Christian. And so everybody's like, okay... Well, I'm, I'm going to be a Christian now. yeah. But at it, it very shallow, superficial level, mm-hmm. they identified as Christians, but they, but that was it. They weren't, they weren't really Christians. They didn't really have that real mm-hmm. inward change in their lives. <clears throat> it was all on the surface. So in some ways, it did Christianity a disservice mm-hmm. because the religion, anything— is it, it just means more when you go through adversity, like uh, <clears throat> like the adversity that you and I have gone through in these first couple of years of our marriage. You know, it just makes it that much more meaningful, and we appreciate it more. If we had everything easy, we probably wouldn't appreciate it very much. The transformative moment in Rumi's life came in 1244 when he met a wandering mystic known as Shams of Tabriz. Rumi was 37 a traditional Muslim preacher and scholar, as his father and grandfather had been, says Gooch. The two of them have this electric friendship for three years, lover and beloved, or disciple and sheik, it's never clear. Rumi became a mystic. After three years, Shams disappeared, possibly murdered by a jealous son of Rumi, possibly teaching Rumi an important lesson in separation. Rumi copy, uh, coped by writing poetry. Most of the poetry we have comes from age 37 to 67. He wrote 3,000 love songs to Shams, the Prophet Muhammad and God. He wrote 2,000 rubaiyat, four-line quatrains. He wrote in couplets a six-volume spiritual epic, the Masnavi. During these years, Rumi incorporated poetry, music, and dance into religious practice. Rumi would whirl while he was meditating and while composing poetry, which he dictated, said Gooch. That was codified after his death into elegant meditative dance, or as Rumi wrote in Ghazal 2351, quote, I used to recite prayers, now I recite rhymes and poems and songs. Centuries after his death, Rumi's work is recited, chanted, set to music, and used as inspiration for novels, poems, music, films, YouTube videos, and tweets. Gooch tweets his translations at Rumi Secrets. Why does Rumi's work endure? All right. Yeah, that's a long... It's a long... I don't want to read it. But I'll put it on the uh, website. This will be... Uh, this will be found at jnflow... Wait, flowjn.com. Flowjn.com slash 7DEC. 7DEC. Flowjn.com slash 7DEC. Well, sweetness. <clears throat> yeah, honey, I think you should not continue reading. Mm-hmm. But, but I think there are a lot of books written analyzing his life and his ideology. Yeah, this is, and those are those are really fun to read. Not this BBC agenda. thing. It's not much information Obviously, in it there. It wasn't to share excessive or Jane Chiabatari. All right, let's wrap it up, honey. Uh. We've talked about a lot of cool things. We didn't know exactly what we were going to talk about, but as usual, 
we ended up talking about some interesting topics on today's episode of Bavojdan. Oh, hopefully uh, Basmati will. Hopefully we can hopefully hear Basmati from Basmati will next time. Find herself busy. I hope she Engaged got over in a previous it. engagement. Next time we hit the record button, I think this show is not better off with her in it. That's just my opinion. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to have to disagree to agree on that one. Uh, this is okay, James, honey. and this is my wife, Sana. Together, we are James and Sana. You can find us on the web at jamesandsana.com. Thank you for listening right. to today's episode. Thank you for listening. Let's do list- it together. Thank, Thank you for listening for today's episode. One, two, three. Thank you Thank for, for listening. Together. One, two, three. Thank you for three. listening to today's show. And thank you for listening. My name is James. And this is my wife, Sana. Okay, cool. And together we are James and Sana. And you can find us on the web at jamesandsana.com. Sana. We will be back in your... jamesandsana.com We will be back in your... Earballs. Very soon.